0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We're now exclusively a part of the SCU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SCU chief of staff. And you know what? I'm excited today to introduce our guest, Jimmy Rollins, the great. And we are so (laughs) grateful to have you today, Jimmy, has been faithfully pastoring and serving in ministry for over two decades. Jimmy, is a strategic partner of the uh, Association of Related Churches, ARC, where you are a, a, a teacher, you lead numerous faith communities, pastors, you know, worldwide. And, and and so it's it's always an honor to have you on campus pouring into our students and, of course, having you back on this podcast. I think this is our second time uh, to have a, a podcast together, but we always love having you here and, and looking forward to our, our conversation. Well,
1: Dr. Ingle, it's an honor to be here. And I, I was telling some guys at lunch today, there's there's no greater investment than a young leader, no yeah. greater investment uh, than an inspiring, you know, someone who's going to change the world. And so I was like, man, fire away. So we had our our own lunch pod, podcast mm. today. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, we asked, yeah, answered some questions, asked yeah. some questions. Who, did they
2: get the audio from that?
1: No. No? no? We were okay. It was just wild. It's, it's All, right. Okay. Okay. All right. secret audio.
0: Okay. I'm going <laughs> to no. slip
2: a tape recorder in your back pocket so we don't miss
0: out on those conversations. Those are great moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I want to open our time by talking about a subject that I think um, is is one of the keys for Really long, uh, long-term, sustainable yes. leadership, and that's and that's marriage. Wow! Um, and you and Irene have been married now what twenty-two years? Twenty-two years. Twenty-two years. Have three children yes. together: Jaden, Maya, and and uh, Kayla. And uh, Jaden and Kayla are SU students now. They on are. Campus. They are
1: here on campus. And I'm got excited them. to get them out of the house. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> got them moved in last, <laughs> what
0: a week ago or so. Yes. So uh, tell us about your journey to uh, to redemption and what you've learned. Over the past few years, as a as a husband and as a father.
1: Wow! 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 Well, I'll just first. Uh, I believe that like a healthy marriage. Like if we're gonna have a healthy community, if we're gonna have a healthy world, it starts in the house. Yeah. Right. It starts at home, and you know, pastoring. Uh, if I'm honest with you, you know, me and Irene, as you said, been married 22 years, and we like to say it's been about the best six years ever. <laughs> yes. Because honestly, for 15 years, we were trying to figure it out mm-hmm. for 15 years, yeah. and I think primarily me as the spiritual head of the household, I really had the wrong thing in mind when it came to marriage and ministry. I really put ministry first and yeah. put marriage second. And because I wasn't pastoring at home, other things got in and kind of invaded our sure. haven at home. And one of those things being alcohol. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife, um, because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing at home, um, you know, that one glass of wine, that mommy juice that she needed to mm-hmm. come down, started turning it into a bottle, started turning it into other things. And because of that, it turned into four Full blown alcoholism. Mm. And here I am as a pastor, sure. uh, yeah. a leader, traveling. And uh, our marriage, it affected our marriage, it affected our family. I could preach to thousands, but couldn't talk to one. Mm. I could wow. build a great church, had a great kids' ministry, but couldn't have ministry with my own. Children and so for me, I think now when I'm gonna look back on that season. You know, she is almost this November will celebrate six years of sobriety. Wow. That's Congrats, um, that's awesome. And with that, I also became a super emotionally unhealthy and yeah. food addiction. Yeah, boom, you know, 420 pounds and wow. uh, you know six seven years ago lost 150 pounds just wow. getting healthy and it's great. But I think what we've determined is, is as a leader, when you win at the wrong thing, you'll lose at the right thing. Yeah. Mm. Sure. And uh, I had the wrong win in mind. I had my ladder leaned up against the wrong scoreboard. And so ministry and, you know, getting you know, requests to come preach and traveling and, and all of that, all the while, like, home was suffering. Yeah. And uh, And so I'm grateful to God that I'm still able to do this. I'm grateful to God that I like to say, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. Hmm. Right. And uh, he makes all things good in his time. And so it's awesome to be on this side of it. But now I want to spend the rest of my life helping and coming alongside leaders yeah. who wear the ups and downs of ministry and the, the storms of everyday life affect mm-hmm. us in such a way where people are gr- building great churches, but it can't be sustained because they haven't built a great family structure yeah. or a marriage structure. Yeah.
2: You know, what's interesting is we're at a time, you know, right now, and depending on when when this podcast gets aired, um, we're at a time where people are really taking seriously the personal character of their leaders. Right. I think more than ever before, we're starting to see, we've seen, obviously, there's been public failures that's always been there, but we're starting to see people digest that more, dive into it. I think yeah. about the, the podcast Christianity Today just yeah. put out Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, you know, no pastor, and what I think is crazy about this story, no pastor wants to start off with a story like yours. No, nobody, no pastor wants to start off with a story like Mark's. Nobody pastor wants to start off with the story like Carl's. What are the the red flags as you look back on the pastor that that maybe you could have seen, maybe we could have course corrected a little earlier that. Other pastors should be looking out for, especially the young ones just starting out.
1: I think it all starts with what I'll just call like the man of God syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of leaders uh, they be they become influential, uh, they become, if, if you will, the king of their castle at their church, or or they become a, what now is a big deal, and they you know right. they're they're so concentrated. I know I was on getting followers mm-hmm. and influence that they're not leading the people that. We're first following them, right, and I believe this, like the, the most important people in my life are the people that bear my last name right, and that got out of whack for me. The most important thing was is how many people were coming to church. What was the sermon going to be about, uh, how I was leading my staff? I would go you know I would never go a week without a staff meeting, but I would go a week without a date night wow. I, you know I would never go a week without meeting with my team, but I'd go weeks without You know, doing playtime with my kids. Mm. And so on this side of it, um, I think no one sets out that says, you know what? Today, I'm going to wreck my life. Right. Today, I'm going to ruin. It's one compromise at a time where we become comfortable with compromise and we lose the conviction Mm. of where we started. And I really think that, you know, even some of these. You know, public things. These are some of my friends. You know, yeah. and on this side of it, there's just little things you notice, and I think that we can never get too high for accountability. Mm. Wow. So we can never get too far away from vulnerability and transparency. Mm. And for me, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I've learned that you'll always be as sick as your secrets. Mm. Wow. And if we've got secrets, if we can't keep it 100 with someone, if you Mm. can't go all the way and tell people what you're thinking about and your anxieties and your fears and your worries, it's dangerous for a man to be alone.
0: Yeah. And and so let me ask you as a follow-up to that, is it important for couples to find mentoring couples? That Absolutely. can speak into their lives and say, let's build this relationship that you can
1: help us to see these issues yeah. that maybe we can't see? I think that is the greatest form of accountability. You know, I like to say there's three levels of accountability, right? There's vertical uh, accountability at what's, that's up, there's mm-hmm. parallel that's beside you, you know, then there's accountability of people that are looking up to, to you. you. Yeah. Sure. And so, but for me, the greatest level is the people that are beside you. Those people mm. can't fire you, Yeah, right? right. Th- those are the people that you can go 100 with. Right. A lot of guys, they don't want to tell anyone, they don't want to lose their job, mm. their source right. of income. But if we build parallel couples mm. that, and Irene and I have that now, you know, how mm. she got to rehab is I finally had to make a call to a friend and say, hey man, my life's out of whack. Wow. I'm living a lie. Mm-hmm. I feel like a fake and a phony. But we had built that relationship with their husband and their wife, uh, with another couple, husband and wife, where if I was jacked up, he could, she, my wife could call him. Mm. Because I had the relationship with him, and sure. vice versa. Right. And so, as you say, I, I just believe Dr. Engle that like peer accountability is the best form of accountability. Right. Well, that's why community is so important. That's right.
2: Right. You know, we, we we all grow up in the Disney idea that family is important, but it's it's crazy how much really the enemy through different ways through division has kind of come against that specific thing. Absolutely. How can we isolate each other? How can we go on that? So as you're as you're rebuilding this marriage, we talk about accountability. We talk about Vulnerability. What are some of the other keys that you're finding on this side of it to building that kind
1: of healthy marriage? Well, I'll say this. Like, let's start this. Like, what is accountability? Right. Right? I think it starts at you know, transparency. Right? Transparency is what I let you see. Mm. And then it graduates to vulnerability. Vulnerability is what I let you know. Mm. Then it gets to accountability. That's what I let you hold. I'm going to hold you accountable. Wow! And then I believe when you have those three things, you get to true intimacy, which is really you're close enough where I have nothing to hide. Yeah. And I believe that when we have that, we don't have perfection. We have freedom. Mm. And what is our goal in Christianity? What's our goal of this relationship with Christ? It's freedom. Yeah. And I don't think freedom is perfection. It's not being perfect. It really is having nothing to hide and i think if we can get to a place where we have nothing to hide the enemy cannot rob us if you will of right. of of something because we're already talking about right. it mm-hmm. right a lot of people are dealing with anxiety and worry and grief and because you're hiding wow yeah. and it is hard to keep up with who you pretend to be yeah
0: and 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 when you're free, uh, it, from a holistic holistically, you become healthier. That's right. And stronger, mm-hmm. um, physically, mentally, Absolutely. spiritually, every aspect of that. Now we're we're here at Southeastern University today, and and uh, and you're investing in our students in in such a a, a strong and powerful way. I know you're going to be in, in chapel and, yes. and so forth. But you know, uh, uh, of course, college is a place where students <laughs> are on that journey, looking for a possible spouse, you know, in fact, what's the saying around a ring by spring or something like that. (laughs) But um, I think for a lot of students, uh, marriage and finding a spouse causes a lot of anxiety. Absolutely. And, And so what advice would you give to those who are either you know, actively searching or or waiting for relationship during wow. this time.
1: I, I think when we're first of all, it's an amazing question, and I and you know, me having a twenty one year old daughter. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yep. kind of yep. navigating those mm-hmm. conversations. Hey, like, you can get a ring by spring if you want to. Sure. But I'm not going to be the one who accepts that. So yeah. like, and, and one of the things I'm telling her, telling young people is, become the person you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think. A lot of times we're looking for people to complete us. We're looking for people to reconcile what we're not back to God. But one of the things that we Irene and I have found is marriage is not only a mirror, it shows you who you are. Mm-hmm. It's all it's also a multiplier. Yeah. And so a lot of times, you know, young people looking at, that's going to fix that. No, it's going to multiply that. There's right. going to be someone closer, and if you got an anger issue, it's going to be times ten. Right. Right? And so, I like to say, become the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Become the person that you're looking for. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good, good thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're a woman, be worthy to be found. Right. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Don't go searching. Don't be thirsty. Right? right? like And as a man, it also says, like, be very careful. Right. And you're Process. Right. Yeah. Right? Be very intentional. That's it? Um,
0: Yeah, my wife and I just celebrated 36 years wow, of marriage, and and she created a list. Yeah. And was intentionally wrote down mm. exactly, God, this is, you know, based on, as you talked about, you, you look at your own life. So and, good. And and the issues and priorities. And, and I remember when we first started, you know, she had this list. Yeah. This is what I'm looking for. Right? <laughs> I love it. And and very intentional. So that is that is so mm. good wisdom, yeah. uh, wisdom in that. And my wife and I just celebrated six years. She didn't
2: have a list, but she never had a boyfriend before me. Wow. But not because she went out on so many first dates. She actually had a reputation that she would give any boy on campus a Uh first date. Wow. And without fail, would tell them no by the end of the first day be like hey thank you so much for tonight it was just because she knew exactly i honestly i wish i was had been a little bit stronger on on what we wanted but what was crazy is you know we had so many friends we got married at the same time that kind of early side and now we're at our later 30s we're having our next round of friends get married and the question everybody always fights is like should you get married that young should you (laughs) not get married that young and really it's what you're saying it's 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 not about the timing of marriage. It's about the timing in your in your life, Absolutely. in your growth, in your person. Are you as a person ready for marriage? Because yeah. you can be 21 and not ready. You can be 21 and ready. Mm-hmm. You can be 30 and ready, or you can be 30 and still not ready. Wow. And it's those pieces that you have, those those different little things. What are the things that that people can be doing today to get themselves marriage ready. As students wow. are thinking about that, what are those things they could be practicing?
1: I think one of the things is is accepting grace, you know, like God's grace and you know having a healthy view of Jesus, mm-hmm. having a healthy view of forgiveness. And you know, I think a lot of things I'll say it like this. I don't think that people really understand what love is. Mm. Right. Like love is not based off of compatibility. Love is actually based off of capacity Mm -hmm. because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the fullest expression of love. Like when you say, I love someone, what you're really saying is as God is love, he doesn't Mm -hmm. wake up and decide to love. He doesn't love based on how you're loving him. No, he loved us while we were yet sinners. In other words, it wasn't compatibility, it was capacity. His love had the capacity to hold our humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in relationships we're so looking at compatibility. Right. When we have friction, you know, we say, you know, irreconcilable differences. But actually they should be reconcilable differences because the nature of love reconciles. Wow. And so do we have the capacity? So, what I can do to get ready? If I don't accept that in my own life, if I don't accept God's grace in my own life, if I don't accept forgiveness in my own life, I cannot give away what I haven't accepted and, accept wow. and received.
0: Wow, that's rich. Jeez. We we gotta get we you, we should be teaching a course on this here <laughs> I would at, at Southeastern <laughs> University on on uh, next steps. And no, that'd be so great. I want to transition a little bit here. Um, obviously, Jimmy, you are a huge advocate for for counseling and emphasizing the importance of Good mental uh, health, yes. not only in, in your church but in your personal life and and your spiritual uh, spiritual journey. We all know Christ is the ultimate healer, and we can you know we can find peace in His presence. But in addition to biblical healing, though, what are some other steps you recommend that you know Christ followers uh, take when they they're struggling with wow. a sense of this anxiety and and stress and conflict? like, especially in the world
1: that we're living in? Wow, that's a great question. I think uh, a lot of times in in the body of Christ, especially in church, where we'd like to separate, you know, we want, you know, a miracle to be, you know, God part in the Red Sea. Yeah, and that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. That happened. For sure. But now he, maybe he, you know, creates men to build bridges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, and I think like we... We lessen what the miracle is because it's not this big grandiosis thing that maybe the same level of miracle was Christ giving you the ability to think of reasons and to understand the brain and understand the heart and how Mm -hmm. the emotions work. And so for me personally, I think people need counseling before they think they need counseling. Like like what if we sowed counseling? So, wow. I, so I'm not reacting to it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually responding to what I know is going to happen. happen. Yeah. And I wish right now we're proactively. Me and my wife have a great marriage right now. Mm-hmm. Guess who goes to counseling Yeah. at least once a month? Me. Yeah. And what I have found is the beauty of this. I have found a counselor that helps me identify what's going on in me, mm-hmm. what's coming up for me when things around me that I can't control come, come up like you know if my wife responds to me in a way that you know would typically uh you know there'd be some intense fellowship behind that right, right? right. uh normally it's something going on to me and so you know being emotionally healthy helps me stay spiritually healthy mm-hmm. you know working on my soul helps me to connect with the spirit of god yeah. and so what i like to do is what's coming up for me right now where why am i feeling that feeling mm. oh that was a wound from the past that has nothing to do with my wife. Mm. There's the mirror. Wow. There's the mirror. Yeah. Now it's not her. F- she can now help reconcile that back. But I couldn't have never, I would have never identified that had I not gone to counseling. Right. And it says anxiety shows up in the chest, it shows up in the stomach, it shows up in the brain, it yeah. shows up in the, you know, and so I, someone with a degree mm-hmm. had to help me. Yeah. With my degree of frustration. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's so powerful. You talked about, like,
2: we're we we we're okay with God speaking through our pastors. Yes. But God can speak through anybody. Absolutely. God can work through anybody into our lives. Yeah. And so sometimes there's these people who have dedicated their lives yeah. to studying, to figuring it out. And that might be the vehicle that God wants to use to, to help your life, to Absolutely. change it. You just have to take that first step. What would you say to somebody who's... Maybe struggling with that first step, like wow. they're 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 scared, or there's the stigma, mm-hmm. or there's all you know, a pastor
1: that's like maybe you know it's maybe it's time, but they're yeah. struggling with it. How would they get over that? I think the first thing is you know go to scripture. You know, whenever I don't know what to say, I just go to scripture and you know I read you know powerful verses like you know His strength is perfected in my weaknesses. Yeah. but we live in a culture that. Never wants to admit our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. We live in a culture at Instagram, a social media, Snapchat, where we are taking pictures and uh, uh, of our greatest moments. It's yeah. our highlight reel. Yeah. yeah. But no one wants to admit I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. Things aren't well. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that first step is is this is with that scripture in mind. Why don't we get acquainted with what we're not,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can be reacquainted with who God is? Yeah. If his strength is perfected in my weaknesses, how about I'm known for what I'm not? Right. And I think young leaders need to, this is a lunch conversation today, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you guys see the followers. You guys see Pastor Jimmy on the stage. Let me tell you what's going on behind it. Right. Let me tell you what I'm struggling with right now. Mm-hmm. And I think today that conversation with a young, aspiring college student says, I don't have to be perfect. Right. No, I'm not. And that's why I want to talk about my story, because I want more young people to say, wow, it's not about the followers. It's yeah. not about what's on Instagram. It's about what's going on it's inside about, of here.
2: Yeah. Well, what was so powerful is that, you know, the the Bible is admonishes us to confess. Yeah. Right? Confess to one another. That's great. Right? And we've got, the church has this long history of confession, but sometimes, especially in, in our kind of Pentecostal faith, we get a little a little weirded out about it, but it's like, hey, there's just something that powerful that comes when we're all vulnerable with each other within the right space, obviously within the right context. That's that's where counseling helps, it kind of gives structure on that. But that powerfulness of like, hey, like you said, I can confess my weakness and that's where God is strong and that's where that, that healing starts, where God's not asking you to be something that you're not, He's asking you to let Him come in and put His grace on that, That's right. on that, our lives. Yeah,
0: let me ask you this: When it comes to uh, the whole subject of mental health, what do you think the church has done right? But what do you think the church needs
1: to change? Wow, I think the church has done right uh, by discipleship, right? Like we have everyone talking about, like, especially during this pandemic. We can't gather. How do we reach people? Well, right now, let's not grow the size of our church. Let's grow the hearts and the souls of the people who already attend our churches. So I think the church is doing much more uh, strategic planning, if you will, on how do we disciple people? How do we take people through a process of discipleship so so that they can grow and, it, and have some, uh, I call it groundations, some, mm-hmm. some, some grounded foundations yeah. uh, to stand on. One of the things I think we've we could get better in. Uh, it's an opportunity for the church. Is to not put so much focus on the altar call. Yeah. Like, like I grew up, come on, I was an old school Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah, I, I grew yeah, up, yeah. like, you know, you were miraculously healed at the altar. Yep. Like, like the power of God was to change you. And I started thinking about this. Yes, the power of God can change us. Yes, I've been in a lot of meetings yeah. where the power and the presence of God was awesome. But what if the power and the presence of God, was to give us the power to walk out of process. Wow. That we would become finishers. Mm -hmm. That we would would stay in the game of counseling. Mm -hmm. That we wouldn't quit. And I think what we could do better is when we are having that salvation moment, that moment of, Mm -hmm. can we just say that everything's not fixed? It might get harder before it gets Mm -hmm. better. But what we're gonna do as a church, we're gonna come around you, we're gonna we're gonna have counseling. We're gonna have freedom. I love the, you know how churches are focusing on people being free, mm. being set free. What they're doing is creating a counseling ministry within their church. All right. So I, I think uh, those are kind of my two thoughts. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so in the past, you know, we've talked about. Um,
2: this importance of being others-oriented, right? Like yes. thinking about what do other people need, what do they work on. We have a lot of leaders listening in this, you know, specifically church leaders, church elders. Yes. We, we talk about a lot that there's this huge space for the right kind of elders, that kind of people that sit peer-to-peer with yeah. you. If you were to just give some advice to maybe a board member, or a church board member, or a church elder on what kind of questions or what kind of things they could be doing to serve their
1: pastor, yeah. to help them in there, uh, what kind of advice a, would you give for them? That's a great question. Um, I'll tell you what we did at our church. Uh, to a few, uh, we had a heat map. and so That was our thing. And so uh, they would always ask me, hey, what's where are you at in the heat map? What's what's yeah. the three areas that are concerning you the most? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd often talk about the church. No, 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 no. We're not gonna talk about church. What are the three areas in your soul? Oh. What are the three things you're thinking about? Uh, again, you have to have a very small group of people that you can go 100% with. Right. And I think proactively asking those questions and refusing to get some contrived, you know, simple, mm-hmm. you know, don't ask me that answer, yeah. I think is a big part of what a board member, an elder, Can do is have that peer accountability. I think another thing is prayer. Yeah. You know, as uh, we transition the church and, uh, you know, merge with another church and now I'm more overseeing the church and, uh, you know, traveling and I can do these kind of things and helping marriages come together. I've noticed something. I've noticed that when I was pastoring, I felt like I had an army of intercessors. Now I feel like I just have a few troops. Mm. Wow. Right. But I love the people that I have, those three or four troop members yeah. that are committed to praying for me and Irene mm. every single day. Yeah. Those are people I can call and say, I'm worried about my son. I'm worried about my daughter. People I can call and say, hey, Irene and I got in a fight. We got to do this big uh, uh, marriage deal. We're dealing with some warfare. Wow. And they're praying. I think, and what I've noticed is, I've seen your pastor since 2011. Mm-hmm. I was really good at asking God to bless our church. Yeah, I was really good at asking God to bless the people that came to our church. I wasn't great at praying for myself. Mm. I wasn't great at. Let's say it this way: I was really good at having a relationship with God from the aspect of being a father, mm-hmm. but I forgot how to be a son. Yeah, yep. And so I'm learning that right now, yep. Father God. You know, what do you think about me? Tell me who I am. Yeah. And I've been just sitting in God's presence and trying to be a son. oh, so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look, at, uh, you look at church growth across the nation, and quite honestly, there are a lot of churches that have plateaued and declined, and, and yeah. there's always this emphasis, well, we've got to do church growth strategy and all of that, when, when I'm going to say, and based on our conversation today, um, it's all about the personal growth yes. of the leader. Yes. And when the leader's healthy, the church becomes healthy. Absolutely. And that's powerful. Man, I love this conversation and such a, a, an important conversation, and grateful that God is. Um Using you in a powerful way. I I'm mean, grateful. You're a, you're a tremendous voice. Uh, we uh, we're going to close our conversation out today. And again, it's been a privilege to have you with us. But we always like to close, of course, with our fire round. You've Let's been a go. part of a fire <laughs> round before, so we just want to ask you a few questions, kind of surrounding everything that we've discussed here. And, and I want you to answer again. You know, as you always do, great with your gut. What's <laughs> what's in that? You know, deep down, and 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 uh, you know. And, and what you've gone through and what you've experienced, and how yes. does that apply to what we can do in terms of our own lives and growth? So I think we're going to do three questions, so yep. Michael, I'll let you lead the way. All right. Fire us off.
2: Um, how can a pastor, what, what's the first sign a pastor
1: can look for to know if they're struggling with anxiety? I would say the inability to rest even when you're alone. The inability to stop thinking, the inability to stop planning, the inability to uh, stop dreaming about church. Wow. I I think if we don't know who we are when we're isolated and by ourselves, we can't tell people who they are. Wow. When the room is full. Mm. Ah, Wow, that's good. What is the first piece of advice you would give to someone facing difficulties in marriage? I would say that parallel couple. The first thing you need to do is find someone you can talk to and go 100% with. Without that, you will always be as sick as our secrets. Confess your sins to one another that you may be forgiven. I mean, God, that you may be forgiven to one another that you may be healed. Too many leaders are walking around forgiving and not healed because mm-hmm. they don't trust people. Yeah. And if there's a book that a pastor
2: could could be reading right now to kind of start them on this journey, what would you recommend? I'd say the B
1: I B L. E. There it is. It's the only book that you read where the author's present. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And I am at a place right now where I am learning as a leader. I know this is going to sound no, crazy. It, yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. I only knew how to read the Bible for a sermon. Hmm. Wow. And I went to counseling last October when I was trying to decide if I was going to continue to pastor. And the, 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 the counselor said, slow down. And I was reading in Psalms, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in Jesus. He said, No, slow down. I said, Why so downcast, oh, my soul? He said, No, slow. I said, Bro, I'm paying you by the hour. (laughs) And he said, I want you to read it so slow that it reads you. Mm -hmm. And I said, Why? And I began to ask myself, Why am I pastoring? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. Why am I worrying? And then I went to so, the word so, reading slow is like, so, why do I go so far with unforgiveness? Hmm. Why, why do I allow my thoughts to go so long untamed? Wow. And it started, why so, downcast? And I read downcast as a question. And I started to think about the goodness of God. Wow. Downcast? You? All that God has done, you're downcast? And it made, me f- it made me think about God's resume in my life.
2: Hmm.
1: And then I, sp- I, 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 I said, man, I got to take this to another level. I sped it up yeah. a little bit. Put your hope in God. Huh. I realized that, that, that I had to take my hope out of things. I had to take my hope out of being behind the pulpit and being the senior pastor and put it back in God. And for me, allowing the Holy Spirit to read me wow. as I read God's word, the author became present. Yeah, in your life. In my life again. Mm. And it allowed me to do what I'm called to do. And I'm 47 years old, and this is the first time in my life I feel like I've ever been in my purpose.
0: Wow. Mm. Wow, that's so good. Jimmy, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. This has been a powerful conversation, and I know, I know this has been a God moment for a lot of our listeners. Wow. And just grateful for... Your voice and how God is using you in a significant way. Grateful for your insight. Um, And uh, it's powerful. And if you want more information on Jimmy's ministry, you can listen to our podcast from Season 2 on Framework Leadership. It's still up there, and you can can catch that, but a powerful, powerful voice. Yeah. Love having you on the show today, Jimmy. And if you
2: want to stay up to Jimmy up to date with Jimmy and his ministry and his wife, Irene, you can follow him on Instagram at IamJimmyRollins. And then for more leadership content, you can check us out on Instagram, Kent underscore Engel, or Twitter at Kent Engel. And if you are watching us on YouTube right now, now's a great time to hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button so you don't miss out on a moment of leadership content. You can also get more leadership content directly to your inbox every single week. Sign up at KentEngel.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take
0: care, everybody.